Thank you very much, Chief. Uh, good evening. My name is Jason Pro, Chairman, and I call to order this February 28, 2022 regular meeting of the Board of Slotman to order. This open meeting of the board is being conducted remotely, consistent with Governor Baker's executive order of June 16, 2021, an act relative to extending certain COVID-19 measures adopted during the state of emergency. All members of the board are allowed and encouraged to participate remotely. The order allows the board to meet entirely remotely so long as reasonable public access is afforded so that the public can follow along with the deliberations of the meeting. The public is encouraged to follow along using the posted agenda. Uh, on our agenda, you have the information. Uh, I can scroll to it here. Uh, for how to connect this evening, there's a live stream on YouTube for viewing. There's a Zoom webinar link uh, if you are wanting to participate in public comment or public hearings. Uh, there's an audio phone number to participate in the Zoom webinar, uh, and then this is also being uh, carried by North Pro Cable Access Television Government Channels, Verizon Channel 30, Charter Channel 192. Uh, ensuring public access does not ensure public participation. Unless such participation is required by law, this meeting will feature public comment. I'd like to now confirm the connectivity of the board members. Members, when I call your name, Please unmute and respond in the affirmative. My name is Jason Perot, Chairman. Uh, Vice Chair, Leslie Rattan. Present. Clerk, Scott Rogers. Present. Member, Julianne Hirsch. Here. And Member, Kristen Wickstead. Present. Thank you. I'd now like to confirm the connectivity of staff members who will be participating throughout the meeting. Staff, when I call your name, please unmute and respond in the affirmative. Town Administrator John Coderre. Present. Assistant Town Administrator Becca Meekins. Present. Public Works Director Scott Charpentier. Present. Police Chief William Liver. Present. And our Fire Chief and Zoom host for the evening, Chief David Parenti. Present. Thank you all. Uh, we also have a uh, connection with Northboro, Northboro Cable Access Television, so we appreciate their service tonight to carry the meeting. Uh, ground rules. Uh, as chair, I will invite each speaker or applicant on the agenda to make a presentation and speak to their application. Participants will provide their full name. Each speaker will be asked to mute their phone or computer when not speaking and when speaking to speak clearly and in a way that helps generate accurate meeting minutes. Those responding will be asked to wait until the floor is yielded to them by the chair. Speakers who wish to respond to the comments of others, please request to do so through the chair. And each vote taken by the board or committee will be conducted by a roll call. Uh, I'll explain uh, public comment now since uh, we will be having a couple public hearings coming up. Uh, if you wish to speak during public uh, hearing or public comment, you can uh, do so through the Zoom webinar, either the Zoom webinar link or the uh, audio phone connection. Uh, you can, uh, by phone, dial star nine to raise your hand to be, wait to be recognized by the chair. Uh, by Zoom, you can click the raise hand feature uh, to indicate that you wish to be recognized. Uh, as chair, I will uh, uh, ask you first to uh, identify yourself by name and address. You will have three minutes to uh, present your comments and we ask that you do so in a professional and respectful and constructive manner. That seems to complete the preliminaries and we can now begin with the agenda. First item is approval of the February 14, 2022 meeting minutes. Do I have a motion? 
Yes, Mr. Chair. Chair. Mr. Uh -huh. Rogers. Uh, yes, I move we vote to approve the February 14th, 2022 meeting minutes as presented. Second. Uh, motion by Scott Rogers, second by Leslie Rutan. Any discussion? Seeing none, this is a roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julian Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rutan. Aye. And I, Jason Pro, vote aye. Approval of minutes carries unanimously. Next up, it's past the hour of 7 p.m. And we have a public hearing. Uh, Chief, if you could bring our applicant in. Mr. Public Chair, hearing. I'm not yes. sure if our applicant is present. I have a, I don't see the name I was given. I see a John Lean. I don't know if that's our, uh, uh, the other names I recognize. That would not be the applicant. No, so I don't think the applicant is not here. Uh, John, do we have any information? Uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm communicating with Di now to see if I can figure it out. The next. Uh, okay, very good. Yeah, my suggestion would be to come back uh, to it if they're having some trouble connecting in. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, and she just she just signed in. Oh, okay. Very Would you good. like to let me bring her in? Yes, please, Chief. Okay. Thank you. And to announce the agenda item, to consider an application as submitted by Margarita's Management Group, Northboro Incorporated, doing business as Tio Juan's Margarita's Mexican Restaurant for a change in stock interest and a change in officer directors for their all-alcoholic beverages restaurant license premises located at 10006 Shopsway. Uh, hello, Ms. Scott, are you the representative for the applicant? Yes, I am. Apologize for the tardiness. Nope, no problem. Uh, would you care to uh, present the position of the applicant? Um, sure. We, I'm not exactly sure the protocol that I was supposed to go through. Um, we have new ownership change and there was no purchase. There was no money exchanged. It was just a, a changeover in shares among some of our board members. Okay, we uh, do have the application as submitted. Um, uh, as you explained, this is just a, a change or redistribution of ownership uh, and there's no operational changes being made here. That is correct. Okay. And uh, Chief Liber, uh, I understand we have a report from uh, Lieutenant Brian Griffin on this. Yeah, I spoke with him uh, earlier uh, today and he has no concerns. Uh, thank you, Chief. Uh, board members, any questions? Seeing none, do I have a motion? Mr. Chair, I vote the board move to approve the application as submitted by Margarita's Management Group, Northboro Inc., doing business as Tio Juan's Margarita's Mexican Restaurant for a change in stock interest and a change in officers slash directors for their all alcohol beverages restaurant license for premises located at 1006 Shops Way. Second. Uh, moved by Kristen Wickstead. I think that was a second by Julian Hirsch. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, 
I'm sorry, this is a public hearing. Are there any members of the public who wish to be heard on this matter? Uh, John, yes. Uh, just uh, um, before we proceed, I was wondering if Ms. Scott can give us an update in terms of the status of the restaurant. I understand they're temporarily closed at the moment. Is there a no. uh, schedule to open again? And uh, when might that be? Yes, we actually opened on 2-22-22, National Margarita Day. And Naturally. So we, are, <laughs> we, we are very much open and, and um, open now from Tuesdays through Sunday. So we're very excited um, to be back um, on our normal schedule like the rest of our margaritas are in, in the New England area. Excellent. Glad to see you back open. Yes, we are too. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ms. Scott. Thank you, John, uh, for asking the question. Uh, I don't have my process quite correct here. Uh, any other members of the public who wish to be heard? Uh, seeing none, uh, Kristen, we will put aside your motion temporarily. I first need a motion to close the public hearing. So moved. Uh, moved by Leslie Rattan, seconded by Scott Rogers. Uh, any debate? Seeing can I, none? Can I, oh, yes, Kristen. I think I sure. said the number wrong. I don't know if that matters, but I said 1,006 shops away, but I'm pretty sure that's it's like zero, 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 six. Yes, yeah. I, I, I tend to use to to speak these numbers one digit at a time myself yeah. just to yeah. ensure that that, that would have been that smarter, works. sorry. Yeah. So. Okay, uh, so uh, we have a motion to close the public hearing. No discussion indicated. Uh, this is a roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julianne Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rattan. Aye. And I, Jason Perot, vote aye. The public hearing is closed. And now returning to Kristen Wickstead's motion to approve the application uh, was Moved by Kristen Wickstead and seconded by Julian Hirsch. Any further discussion? Seeing none, uh, this is a roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julianne Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rattan. Aye. And I, Jason Perot, vote aye. The uh, application is approved. Ms. Scott, uh, thank you very much for being here and uh, we wish you well. Thank you so much. Have a good evening, everybody. Thank good you. Night. Now past the hour of 7.05 p.m., we have a public hearing, which is the implementation of Jake, Bake, Jake Break Prohibition on Lyman Street, pursuant to the Town Code Chapter 2-44-130 Compression Break Use Restriction. Um, we'll begin, I guess, with uh, Public Works Director Scott Charpentier. Scott, you have a presentation? Uh, certainly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, in your packets is a memorandum outlining the uh, request for a compression break prohibition on Lyman Street. The town received uh, inquiry by four different residents back in 2020, um, expressing concern about rumbling Jake breaks um, at the intersection of Lyman Street and Bartlett. Um, the concerns were addressed specifically to the Zoning Board of Appeals in relation to a, an application that was before them back in March of 2020. Um, as you're aware, the annual town meeting in 2021 approved um, a local bylaw allowing the town to adopt um, compression break or Jake break uh, prohibitions on select streets. Um, 
the first one that was adopted was on uh, Bartlett Street. Uh, this, this board adopted that uh, late last year. And um, this is the second one coming before you. The uh, prohibition is only applicable to um, using compression brakes uh, during uh, conventional travel time. If there's an emergency, um, truck drivers are, are authorized and allowed to use their um, brakes at hand just to, to, to bring it under control. Uh, so the request before you is for the residential section of Lyman Street. Um, you'll see a, uh, an image on that section. It's just south of Ridge Road. So essentially, if you're coming from Westboro, you, you climb up the hill, go over the railroad tracks, and then that's where the compression brake prohibition would start. And Is that visible there, uh, Scott? Yes, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so uh, orient, orient yourself north is to the, uh, to the right. Um, so as soon as a, a tractor trailer is, uh, goes over the railroad tracks, they're no longer allowed to use their compression brake, uh, descending that, that, that hill and uh, approaching Lyman Street. That is the, um, uh, the residential section of Lyman Street is actually down at the Barlow Dam. Uh, but I concurred with uh, uh, Chief Liber, and we thought the logical um, limits would be at that, uh, that, that decline after the railroad tracks. Uh, right over here on the left side. Yep, correct. Yeah, where this no engine brake sign is indicated. Yep, we would post a sign just past the, uh, the, the railroad bridge and um, going on the northbound lane heading toward Bartlett. And then again, one um, where it indicates no engine brake at the intersection of Lyman Street and Bartlett. There's also uh, no engine braking signs, both left in the left direction and right direction as you exit Lyman Street onto Bartlett due to that previously approved uh, prohibition. Right. Got it. I will stop sharing this now. Um, members of the board, any uh, questions? Comments? Leslie Rutan? Yeah, first of all, uh, Scott, thank you. Out of curiosity, what do these signs look like? Right? What color are they? Are they square, round? What? They're, um, they're rectangular. They are regulatory, so they are um, reflective white with black lettering. Uh -huh. um, any yellow, but so, so uh, regulatory signs are all, all white, like a speed limit sign. It's uh, 18 by 24. Okay. Um, I think I voiced this concern the last time we talked about this, but you know, if it weren't for these meetings and such, I wouldn't know what that term even meant. You know, I mean, if, if I'm a, a driver driving down the road and I see that sign and I really don't know what that is, I think I'd be a little bit confused. Like, does this apply to me? And is there something I'm not supposed to be doing that I'm not aware of? I know we've talked about it. I know this is the typical wording that's used, but um, as long as we make clear somewhere that it, that it applies to, to these trucks. Um, it's kind of a funny term in a lot of ways. And I do see people being confused as to whether it applies to them at first. Um, my, my other point was that, um, you know, if a trucker is having an issue stopping, they would obviously use it if they needed to. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Self-preservation at that point. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, Julianne? Hirsch? Yeah, I was going to make the same comment Leslie made. And, and I did a little, you know, a very little poll. And there's a lot of people who don't understand that. Is there any way of adding the word trucks to the sign or something so people in their automobiles won't necessarily think it, they, they can't use their compression brakes? <laughs> I, I, 
Right. I, I do. I do. I don't think it's a universally well-known term. It... I, I I understand. I've had discussions with my wife after the last meeting about this, and she said, "Well, I feel like I'm compressing my brakes when I push on the brake pedal. What does it mean if I say compression brakes?" So we went we went back and forth for about a week after that. I don't know, Chief Liver, if you have any idea. I mean, I, I I looked around. This was the most common language on regulatory signs related to this topic that I could find. Jake Breaks is, is just a play on the words. The company that first originated them was called J is Jacobson Industries. So it got shortened down to Jake. Um, but it, an engine compression brake is widely known in the trucking industry. And if anybody's got a Class A driver's license, they know what it means and it only applies to them. So um, yeah, there, there are no Jake Breaks in, in cars. No. So I don't, I don't know of a manufacturer yet that made one. So. Uh, you're, you're hitting your audience. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's a good point. So trucks will understand what the term is and they, they will know, okay, this is what I'm not supposed to do here. But if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know it. It's one of those things where <laughs> cars probably won't know what it is. They may figure it out after a while. But like Julianne said, is there a way to put trucks, no engine brakes? Something like that. Is there is there room on the sign? Would that that would just clear it up right away? No, to maintain the compliance, as Scott said, with the with the regulatory sign of the dimensions, I think it would be you'd have to have another sign to explain the sign. Hmm. You need some like I guess the, the sign size size of lettering and stuff on the sign, so the sign itself is legible enough from a distance. Right. Right. There's a there's a certain level of, of of understanding I think that motorists have to have. I mean, I, I drive a pickup truck. I drive down the highway. It says no trucks left lane. I'm comfortable using the left lane. It's a pickup truck. Um, I would hope that a commercial driver would understand the difference um, as well with the Jake brake. The key is that your audience is going to the, the the truck drivers are the ones that need to be aware and they won't use their Jake brake. So, I mean, you're hitting, you're hitting the people that you're regulating, so. And perhaps those that don't know it will get a lesson in what it means by one of my officers. <laughs> they, they, they might drive more cautiously, right? Uh, not knowing what, what violation they might be. Uh, uh, any other discussion by the members of the board? Seeing none, this is a public hearing. Are there any members of the public who wish to be heard? Please raise your hand through the Zoom application. And I see no hands. And so I will ask for a motion to close the public hearing. So moved. I had Leslie Rutan first. Do I have a second? Second. Leslie Rutan uh, has the motion, seconded by Scott Rogers. Any further discussion about closing the hearing? Seeing none, roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julianne Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rutan. Aye. And I, Jason Provote, aye. Public hearing is closed. Uh, do I have a motion concerning the substance of the presentation? Mr. Chairman, I move the board vote to adopt a compression brake prohibition for the segment of Lyman Street from approximately Ridge Road North to Bartlett Street as recommended by the DPW director. Second. 
Moved by Julianne Hirsch, seconded by Leslie Vitan. Any further discussion? Seeing none, this is a roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julianne Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rattan. Aye. And I, Jason Perot, vote aye. Carries unanimously. The prohibition is enacted for Lyman Street. I'm sorry, uh, I may have missed it, Scott. Uh, do you know the time frame for the signs to be installed? It's generally about a two-week lead time for the signs. Um, wet weather dependent. So I would, I, would, I would say by the middle of March, middle end of March, the signs will be erected. Once the signs are erected, it's enforceable. Very good. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, now past the hour of 7.20 p.m. And we have Public Works Director Scott Charpentier. Acceptance of Mass DOT Grant Award for Development of Complete Streets Prioritization Plan. So once again, Scott, would you care to present? Certainly, Mr. Chairman, thank you. Um, we're all familiar with the complete streets process. Um, this board adopted the policy at your, one of your, at your January meeting. Um, MassDOT subsequently approved that policy, which gets us past the tier one process for becoming a complete streets community. The second tier is to um, uh, develop a prioritization plan and have that uh, approved by MassDOT. Um, the prioritization plan is, um, uh, it identifies sidewalk gaps, it identifies um, multimodal transportation needs in the community, um, cycling, walking, transit. Um, again, it identifies gaps in those, in those modes of transportation. It, it takes into consideration destinations as well as um, um, target users. Target users would be you know, a housing development or a, a large residential area with a um, school destination or commerce area, um, retail area. So <clears throat> the prioritization plan is really where um, the community gets involved, the staff gets involved, and we develop um, a plan going forward. So we submitted a grant application to MassDOT to help fund development of the prioritization plan. Um, their grants are uh, generally in the thirty dollars to $40,000 range. We requested $35,200 to help out uh, in the development of the prioritization plan. Um, we submitted the application along with the scope of services, um, a schedule for implementation and development of the plan. I'm happy to say that that was uh, found positively by MassDOT and we were awarded the, the full, full funding amount requested, $35,200. Um, the contracts are being worked on now between uh, getting signatures on the state side as well as the town side. Um, once everything is uh, secured and signed, we will uh, move forward with our uh, consultant to develop the prioritization plan. Um, as part of that scope of services, there's uh, an online survey that will be um, conducted as well as uh, stakeholder meetings, um, sort of like a, a, a public meeting slash vision, visioning charrette identifying uh, what the community needs are and where they are. Um, so that's all part of the prioritization plan development, but what we're here for tonight is to um, have the board consider accepting the uh, $35,000, uh, $35,200 grant from SDOT. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you have on the application or the process going forward or that we've already completed. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, questions, board members, Leslie Rutan. Nice work, Scott. Thank you very much. Um, 
Um, so the 35-2 um, includes or takes care of the consultant fees? That's correct. Okay. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Yep. Uh, any other questions, board members? Julianne Hirsch. Yes, thank you. Um, so so you, um, at the, la the last time you explained the whole complete streets process, you gave us a, a timeline of when things would happen. This is this is happening pretty quickly. Would you say? I, I mean, the the state is responding fairly quickly. Does that mean that? Um, so on the timeline, it said that the public charrette would be in June. Do you still foresee that as happening, or is that going to be earlier? We actually submitted a very aggressive schedule to MassDOT as part of our <clears throat> initial application for the grant. Um, one of the comments we got back from them was to stretch it out till the end of the calendar year 22 um, in anticipation of a heavy workload on their end and being able to deliver things in a timely fashion. Um, so currently we have set for uh, September to complete the prioritization plan and submit to MassDOT for approval, which would, which would leave the um, online survey and public charrette likely in that May to June window. So. You know, we basically stretched out the tail end of it, the mass DOT review process. So we're still yeah. on schedule for a late spring, early summer public involvement. Thank you. Uh, John, yes. So just two quick points. One is, uh, as Scott pointed out in his last presentation, but I want to emphasize again here tonight, uh, this prioritization plan is for the town as a whole, and not just one neighborhood or one one uh, section or one roadway. It's to look at the entire town holistically and to put a prioritization plan together and start uh, um, lining up funding sources, one of which, as Scott mentions in his, uh, in his uh, memo, being the Complete Streets Program as a, a grant funding source as well. But this will dovetail into the sidewalk master plan uh, that, that uh, Scott is also working on. And so this, again, is a very excellent holistic approach to, to this issue. And uh, the Master Plan Implementation Committee, as you know, had two top priorities that they uh, actually voted on. One was the downtown master plan, and the other was a, a sidewalk uh, master plan um, program, of which Complete Streets uh, was a piece of that. So this is great. Uh, the only other comment I was just going to make is I, I just wanted to publicly uh, commend Scott for the job he's done in uh, with all the projects he has on his plate of moving this through. It's a priority of the Master Plan Implementation Committee um, and uh, to, to get this thing moving and to submit it and have it turned around with the grant as quickly as he did. We'll have to work with um, MassDOT schedule on the back end, but the things that we do control that, that Scott's able to control, I just wanna say he did a great job of uh, getting a good policy together, uh, getting approval, turning around, getting the grant application in, and here we are tonight in fairly short order uh, with a $35,000 um, grant to get this next phase going. So it gives us time to do the work that we need over the summer and we won't be rushed or compressed in terms of the community outreach component. So again, all good, but I just wanna publicly uh, thank Scott for, for excellent job on this particular project. Thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, Scott, yes, uh, just uh, yeah, thanks on behalf of the board for, for all the work involved, you know, keeping you busy in between snowstorms. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Uh, 
This is uh, not a public hearing. This is just a presentation and acceptance of grant by the board. Um, so do I have a motion? Yes, Mr. Chairman. I move the board vote pursuant to Mass General Law Chapter 44, Section 53A to accept funds from the Mass DOT Complete Streets Funding Program and to authorize the town administrator to expend such funds. Second. Moved by Scott Rogers, seconded by Leslie Rutan. Any further discussion? Seeing none, this is a roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julianne Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rutan. Aye. And I, Jason Perot, vote aye. Carries unanimously. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate all the work. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, board members. Look forward to the next phase, right? Uh, next up is reports. Board members, we will begin with Kristen Wickstead. Good evening, everyone. Um, I hope everybody had a good February vacation, if you were on vacation last week with kids. Um, I wanted to mention um, everybody who's been writing in about the Proctor School roof. Thanks for using the form on the website um, for the Board of Selectmen. You are all right. We need to make sure our smallest scholars are safe and dry so they can focus on learning. Um, I attended in person the most recent Community Affairs Committee meeting. They are already working on town cleanup day. One point some of us had was that some streets had more trash than others. So if you live on a street that has too much trash for one or two people to clean up, um, the committee wants to know to make sure there's fair representation all over town. The idea is that we clean up as much trash as possible because every plastic bottle that breaks down turns into a hundred or hundreds of tiny microplastics that go through the wetlands to the rivers and out into the sea. So in the uh, spirit of the second UN report on climate hazards that came out today, my quote is from Greta Thunberg, no one is too small to make a difference. Thanks. Jason, you're still um, muted. I'm muted, yes. Uh, thank you, Kristen. Uh, Julianne Hirsch. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> so the first committee I'd like to report on is the Cultural Council. They've been meeting frequently as they plan a grantee uh, reception for the artists who have received grants from them, as well as moving ahead with their public art project and also talking about a culture fest possibly this summer. Their last meeting was held at Town Hall and it was particularly efficient and interesting because our town administrator, John Cordaire, made a cameo appearance. He was actually leaving the building around eight o'clock, but kind enough to spend a few minutes with us answering some, some pertinent questions that really helped move the meeting along. So thanks a lot, John. That was, that right, was fun pleasure. and unexpected. <laughs> um, secondly, I attended the Master Plan Implementation Committee meeting, and there we approved the Master Plan bid scope and heard some brief updates on projects coming up. Um, <clears throat> third is I'd like to announce that the Westboro Sustainability Committee is sponsoring an energy fair on April 30th from one to five in the afternoon. 
Concerned citizens about climate have recognized that it's sometimes difficult to figure out where to start with making our homes more energy efficient. And this fair will have speakers and vendors and exhibitors to help homeowners wade through all of that information. So if you're at all interested, even if you have a five or 10 year plan, this would, might be a really good start for you. Um, also, I um, tomorrow's March 1st and, and on another month, we will be somehow taking possession of four West Main Street. And I was wondering if we could get a little update on that, on where we stand with that and how we can visit the building to see what it looks like. Uh, just briefly, uh, under the 40 year lease agreement that the town has with the, uh, with the developer, uh, it can be returned to the town in beginning in May of 2022. So that is on our radar to uh, provide the appropriate notifications to the um, to the leasee that we are going to be uh, that we are going to be interested in taking that building back. As far as access to the building, it's a it's a it's a private building, so we don't have any access as of uh, as of right now. So, but at some point, we we will be able to see what we're buying back. Yes. Yeah. At some point we'll be, yes, we'll be getting in there as we continue to have negotiations about uh, the return of the building. Um, the big issue with that particular building is uh, the building itself returns to the town. Um, the parking lot or the majority of the parking uh, is not part of that. So that's a, that's a, a, that's a discussion um, separate from, from this, but related. So. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So, so the, uh, the, the building comes back to us in May and the, um, that's the earliest that we can notify the, uh, the, uh, developer that we are interested in taking back possession of the building. Yes. In May of 2022. Okay. And we need to go through the process that's laid out. Uh, and then there's the question of if the town whether, whether or not the town is interested in entering into negotiations with the owner of the parking lot, basically. So Wh which parking lot are you talking about? There's the one, there's like a there's smaller some, one. And there's, very, there's a very limited amount of parking that goes with the building, but the vast majority of the parking to the right of the building um, is uh, actually does not return, does not part of the town's uh, would not be part of the return of that building. So there's very limited parking that comes back and uh, the two buildings in the larger end of that parking lot is not part of this uh, part of this uh, return. Oh, okay. Yes, so depending on what our plans are with the building, we determine whether or not we would be interested in entering negotiations for that parking lot. We've had some preliminary discussions, so not at liberty to get into an open meeting. Okay, I understand. Okay, um, and and I have been requesting that that we have that we are able to meet the new facilities manager. Do you foresee that happening anytime in our next few meetings? Or yeah, wanted to give him a chance to get settled in and to start uh, and to get through. I haven't um, haven't actually sat down with him to go through uh, his assessment of buildings and the public buildings budget uh that's something that'll take place but uh we can we can have them come into a, a future meeting uh, my goal is to 
well, to get him involved in a number of these building projects. Uh, I will say, uh, Sean Thompson, he is our facilities manager. He just uh, completed uh, his training. He is now a certified public procurement officer, which is terrific because now he can help do the RFQs, RFPs, and um, make sure that in his duties as a, as a facilities manager that we're complying with all the, all the uh, procurement laws. So, uh, so he's been doing a great job, uh, been very helpful, and, and spend most of his time kind of jumping on issues in, in, that have been uh, outstanding before he got here. Uh, but I did want to give him a chance to get settled in before we uh, bring him in. Um, but, uh, but we're happy to bring him in. That'd be lovely. Thank you very much. And that ends sure. my report. Thank you, Julian. Uh, Scott Rogers. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, just a quick thank you to our principal assessor, Julie Brownlee. Uh, spent some time with her and she was able to walk me through the process of assessments for both residential and commercial industrial properties. So just really wanted to publicly thank her for taking the time uh, to help us spread that information and, and do a little education for me. Um, nothing else to report in terms of uh, liaisons to other boards and committees. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Uh, Leslie Rutan. Okay. Um, as always, I want to thank the uh, DPW staff for the strong cleanup. That's just uh, <laughs> all of a sudden it seems like it's it's constant, but maybe this was the last one. <laughs> okay. Keep our fingers crossed. That was another strange uh, snowstorm. But thank you very much to you and your staff, Scott. Uh, also, I attended the uh, Joint Special Northborough School Committee and Southborough School Committee meeting on February 17th uh, regarding masking. Um, there were some really good call-ins by both Northborough and Southborough residents. I thought they were very prepared um, and had done some research and made some very valid points um, about any concerns that they had. Um, there was also there were also two representatives of the uh, two physicians from the medical advisory team who were present at that meeting as well and were able to answer a lot of questions. Um, they were very good and very informative. The masking policy was updated to include information about when and if the school committees would then reinstate masking if, if need be. Um, so that was a, a good discussion. That policy was approved and Ultimately, the mask mandate was lifted on for February 20th, which is today, uh, for the middle school and then uh, March 14th for K-5 students. And as we know, um, the high school uh, also had the mask mandate lifted uh, today. So um, the town uh, DPW director got back to me today with some information about the Acevit playground. There have been some questions about that, and Scott did inform me today that the Aspect Playground has a goal being completed by Memorial Day, hopefully, and um, that there will be no changes to the splash pad. That was another question some people had. They didn't know if that would be further impacted in any way or enhanced or taken away or anything. So that will remain the same. However, uh, there will be all new tables and a shade structure provided in the upper area. So I think that'll, that'll be very nice. And it is looking good. It looks very, very nice there. Um, it's funny to see that take shape and I enjoy going over there when my kids were younger and uh, this will be a really wonderful new and improved version and ADA compliant and so forth. So everyone's looking forward to that. Great. So thank you very much for that information, Scott. Um, also similar to Julianne's request, um, would it be possible to have the town, the new town planner uh, come to one of our meetings? I think it would be 
uh, fun to meet her. She plays such a large role um, with you know her work with the planning board, and I think it would be great just to meet her and and have her familiarize herself with with our board as well. Sure. So, okay, that would be great. That ends my report. Thank you, Lesson. Uh, I have no report this evening. Uh, John, anything you'd like? Nothing this evening. Very good. We now move on to public comment. Uh, members who are dialed in through the Zoom, or viewers who are dialed in through the Zoom webinar, uh, if you wish to be heard on any particular topic, you can raise your hand. As I mentioned before, we'll ask you to state your name and address, and then you'll have three minutes to present. And uh, we ask that you do so in a professional and respectful and constructive manner. So with that, uh, do we have anyone who would care to offer public comment this evening? We have one. Uh, Laura Zeiten, bring you in. Hi, it's Laura Zeiten. Can you hear me? I'm at 17 Franklin Circle. Yes, Laura. Thank you. I just have a quick request um, regarding the selectmen's packet. Are you able to have those posted earlier rather than like Monday afternoon, I'd like to review them. But with work, there's really not enough time between when they're posted and when I am able to join the meeting. Uh, we're having staff do what they can to make the information available prior to the meeting. I don't think we're going to have any guarantees about timing uh, at times. Is there any reason? Oh, sorry. At times staff, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yep. At, at times uh, staff is uh, doing a tremendous amount of work and preparation of the packet. And sometimes the packet is delayed coming to the selectmen themselves. Uh, there may be information that needs to be redacted or, or, or excluded if it's uh, sensitive information that uh, is only intended for the board. So I understand what you're saying, but if there's any way that that could be you know, considered in the future, that would be really helpful. You know, I don't know what qualifies as redacted information. It seems like a lot is provided when you post it on Monday as far as applicants and their contact information. But it's mainly so I can be prepared, especially as we're coming into town meeting. I want to be aware of the articles that are being discussed so that I can have informed decisions. But I appreciate you hearing me out, and I hope that can be considered in the future. Okay, thank you, Laura. Mr. Chairman, the, the packet was up on the website by 8.30 this morning, as it, as it typically is. So the okay. only time it would be delayed is, as you said, if there was an issue with, uh, with the information or sometimes we have some late breaking things that get included. But it's posted first thing. Staff comes in in the morning um, and, uh, and it's, it's posted first thing. So. Okay. Thank you, John. Uh, any other member of the public who wishes to be heard? Um, Is this uh, Laura? I'll bring you in one more time. Thank you. No, I understand that it's available at eight in the morning, but I work for the day, and having the weekend to be able to review it would be really helpful. So, if you can make it available on Friday, that would be great. Thank you for hearing me. Have a good night. Good night. Uh, any other member of the public who wishes to speak? Seeing none, uh, public comment is closed. And we move on to new business. First item is vote on MSBA statement of interest for Proctor's school uh, roof. And we have 
bringing in the school superintendent, Greg Martineau. I believe Keith Lavoie is joining him as well. Uh, yes. Uh, let me, did I get him? I got him, Mr. Chair. Oh, thank you. I inadvertently uh, brought in uh, another applicant. <laughs> they were moving as I was clicking. Uh, very good. Um, uh, Superintendent Martineau, do you want to uh, proceed then with a presentation of uh, this request? Sure. So thank you for um, having me speak tonight on behalf of the school district. Um, just a little bit of context and information. So um, as the community of Northborough knows very well, the Mass School Building Authority partners with local communities to support building projects um, and to create affordable, sustainable, and energy efficient schools, as well as um, fund capital projects. Um, MSBA um, was a partner with the town of Northborough in the Lincoln Street project, which was a very successful uh, renovation. And as a result, um, the town of Northborough received 53% reimbursement through MSBA. So it's a very um, it's, it's a very important funding mechanism to move forward many of these larger projects. The MSBA has two, um, pro two programs, a core building program, which was used for the Lincoln Street project and accelerated repair program. The accelerated repair program is specifically designed for uh, replacement of roofs, windows and boilers. So this evening I'm seeking the board's um, support in submitting a statement of interest um, with the Massachusetts School Building Authority regarding the replacement of uh, the flat roof section at Proctor School. Um, the roof at Proctor School does meet the criteria for submitting a statement of interest. And it's really the first step to be considered um, as part of MSBA's project. A statement of interest basically gets us in line um, and will be reviewed at um, one of the board of directors meetings in the month of April or May. Um, so I'd be happy to answer any questions about the project and or the statement of interest. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, members of the board, questions, comments? Uh, Julianne? Hi, Superintendent Martineau. Um, so could you just, it, the, the um, uh, applying for this grant, what would, what would be the year that, uh, that we would reasonably see a new roof put on that school, on Proctor School? So the timeframe that MSBA um, provides districts around the accelerated repair program is um, 24 months as the maximum amount of time However, that can be accelerated. So um, for example, we did a boiler project at the Finn Elementary School, and that took a little under uh, 14 months. So typically a project takes between uh, 10 to um, 15 months to complete uh, with MSBA. Okay, and um, this might be too premature to ask, but is, is will the new roof be, as you said, you know, the, the MSBA like sustainable um, projects, 
what is there a plan for solar panels or making sure that the roof will be able to hold solar panels is there anything in discussion about that no but i think that would be part of the feasibility study um, in terms of the roof structure and the, and the type of roof and and part of i think the the longer term plan would be to ensure that a roof um, could um, sustain solar panels if if the town wished to do so I see. Okay, and one more question. We we have received several emails from concerned parents about um, uh, repairing the roof as best as you can until the new roof is put on. Is maybe that is going to be discussed at school committee, or can you comment on that tonight? No, I mean I think part of the um, capital plan is to move forward with a statement of interest for the Proctor roof. Um, we did experience a, a couple leaks that were new as a result of some of the, the wet weather we've had um, this winter. Um, but I think that in terms of sustainability and funding a project of this size, I think MSPA is an important partner for the town. Um, and we also are you know, looking at some short-term stopgap measures um, that we can put in place while we move through the MSPA process potentially. I see. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Julian. Uh, Leslie? Um, thank you, Ms. Martin, and we appreciate it. Um, so it seems like that there could be a variation in terms of when the roof, the flat part would ultimately be done. Um, but as far as remedial action or mitigating action, there would be, feel satisfied that it would be sufficient to cover that range of time? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously with roofs, there are no guarantees. Um, there have been some repairs over the past um, five years that have taken place. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other projects that we're looking at is appropriate drainage. So um, that is something that I believe um, Mr. Kader outlined in the memo. So drainage off the roof and getting the water to run away from the building is an important part of um, this work as well, which is a separate um, component of this. What the roofing contractor shared with us is that the actual, the actual bells where the drainage, um, the water drains are actually in pretty good shape. But what happens is once the water um, leaves the drain, um, there's no, there's the actual drainage, the conduit has been compromised and the water just um, ponds around the, the perimeter of the building. Okay, okay, great, thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, Krista? Hi. Um, so when I was reading the report um, it and, and it, it came with pictures, it was pretty clear that there are certain sections where the water on the roof is ponding. And from what I gathered from the report, um, there's not really a good solution temporarily to fixing the ponding water. Um, and I can't imagine that's a that's the kind of thing that's gonna um, be able to last too many more months before there are problems where there are leaks, even more leaks than they already have. And as um, my fellow board members have read, the emails we've gotten from concerned parents are very descriptive in my child is sitting next to a bucket of water and after a short amount of time the bucket was full and they 
have to get a new bucket. And, you know, these are fourth graders who are trying to learn. So um, I'm just concerned about if there's no solution for the ponding, like, can you speak to that? And just give us as much information as possible so these people don't feel like, you know, nobody's dealing with this immediate impact. Yeah, so in terms of the ponding, so, you know, we've had ponding on, on the roof for the past several years, um, as indicated in the report, that it needs to be fixed through a, a, you know, a larger roofing project. In terms of what we're experiencing in terms of leaks within classrooms, I did have a conversation with the principal, Principal Sear, today. Um, she indicated that there was one one uh, classroom in particular that had some leaks that were new this year. Um, but other than that particular classroom, um, there were no other major um, leaks that were taking place in other classrooms. Um, again, you know, this is not, this is a pretty significant project um, and will take some time regardless of whether the town or the district partners with MSBA or not. It's not something we can turn around quickly. Um, I am confident that, you know, the timeframe and the window of MSBA would allow us to get the roof fixed within a reasonable timeframe. Um, it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's reasonable um, in terms of how we can move forward. This is the first year that the Proctor roof is eligible for an MSBA project. They do usually put a, a, a timeframe or a window of age of a, of a roof um, and this is the first year that actually Proctor met that criteria. And therefore that's why we're moving it forward um, this evening. It's, it was not able to, to be submitted through an uh, MSBA project um, in prior years due to its age. Are you all set, Krista? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, I was just going to ask, uh, Proctor um, was constructed uh, or renovated, I should say, back in the mid-90s, I believe, right? 1997. Yep. And uh, over that period of time, uh, what has been, um, it's essentially just been ongoing maintenance of the roof. There hasn't been any major uh, roof uh, repair or construction since then. Correct. So it's it's the, the flat roof is the original roof. There's been um, a, a coating applied. Again, I believe it was five to seven years ago, but that was just a, a short-term solution. And then the metal roof was repaired, or actually replaced through a, cap, a town project in 2017. Right. Uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, uh, Scott Rogers, you had questions? Yeah, thank you. So I think um, the immediate questions were are there are there specific maintenance or custodial actions then to address or react to leaks is there is there actions that need to be taken in that step while we look at the long-term replacement or even a, a short-term repair yeah we do have a, a roof contractor um, who can make minor repairs but again the the roof is at the end of its life um, and I think you know small repairs or something we can do but again the roof does need to be replaced um, the custodians do an excellent job they do ensure that the drains are clear top of the roof and i also think this other drainage project that we need to do is also um, kind of a key 
um, step moving forward in terms of making sure that the, the water is um, not ponding on the roof and actually is drained correctly. Thank you. All right, you're all set, Scott. Okay. Uh, do we have do we have an estimate of the cost, total cost of the project? So the um, estimates we have are one point five to one point six million uh, for the total project, um, mm -hmm. and that does not include MSBA reimbursement. We're anticipating MSBA reimbursement to to be anywhere between a forty two to forty seven percent. We are working with MSBA to get an exact reimbursement rate. But as you can imagine, it's a significant uh, amount of reimbursement that MSBA would partner with on this project. Right. Uh, any other questions, board members? Again, this uh, the action we're doing here tonight is uh, basically a required process step for MSBA for the Board of Selectmen to indicate their support for the submission of the application. Julianne? Yes, so Superintendent Martin, um, one of the one of the um, points that was brought us up brought up to us was um, damage that's already been sustained in the classroom or classrooms plural. Uh, is there a plan for addressing? I don't know. I mean, are there wet walls? Is there mold? What is? And and maybe this is a, you know a topic that you're going to discuss at. Um, school committee anyway, but um, if you have a moment to just answer that, I think some parents as well as the board might feel better. Sure, so I'll just share that um, at Wednesday's school committee meeting, um, this topic will be discussed. Um, we did have, have hub um, testing help us with the mold mitigation. Um, and we have implemented a, a number of action steps um, and we'll be sharing a report with the school committee this Wednesday. In terms of classroom damage, I'm not sure what, what that is referencing. You know, there is no, no damage in classrooms um, that I'm aware of um, that has not already been um, repaired or, or fixed that would impact, you know, instruction taking place in any of our classrooms at this point. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Julianne. Uh, board members, anything further for questions? Seeing none, do I have a motion? Mr. Chair, I move the board vote to authorize the school superintendent to submit to the Massachusetts School Building Authority the statement of interest form dated February 2022 for the Fannie E. Proctor Elementary School located at 26 Jefferson Road which describes and explains the following deficiencies and the priority categories for which an application may be submitted to the Massachusetts School Building Authority in the future for replacement of the EPDM roofing system under priority number five. The replacement of the 40,000 square foot roof system is necessary due to its age, ruptured seams, punctured membrane, and water damage. I understand that by submitting this statement of interest form, the Massachusetts School Building Authority in no way guarantees the acceptance or the approval of an application, the awarding of a grant or any other funding commitment from the Massachusetts School Building Authority or commits the town of Northborough to filing an application for funding with the Massachusetts School Building Authority. Second. Moved by Leslie Rattan, seconded by Scott Rogers. Any further discussion? 
Seeing none, this is a roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead? Aye. Julianne Hirsch? Aye. Scott Rogers? Aye. Leslie Rutan? Aye. And I, Jason Perot, vote aye. So that carries unanimously. Um, I'm just wondering what the detail of the communication is. Is there anything the board needs to sign or is this simply a record of the board's vote here this evening that's sufficient to? So just a record of the board's vote um, yep. and um, Assistant Superintendent Lavoie is in the process of uh, getting all the documents in order to submit the actual statement of interest. Okay, terrific. Uh, thank you, Greg. Thank you, uh, Keith. For, uh, being here this evening. We appreciate uh, the input. Keith, you have any comments you'd like to offer? No, I really uh, appreciate the board's support for this, um, and I look forward to uh, getting the submission going and hopefully getting a, a good turnaround, but we do have all the documentation prepared uh, to file a statement of interest, and we are looking forward to doing that in the very near future. I appreciate Excellent. the board's support. Thank you, Keith. Uh, very good. Uh, we thank you both for being here tonight, and uh, uh, we we'll look forward to hearing more about the progress. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is the discussion of legislative priorities. Uh, John, would you like to set the table? I'd be happy to. So as you know, every year about this time, we uh, go through a process where we identify uh, pieces of legislation or initiatives uh, that we would like our state legislators to support or not support uh, so that uh, as we move forward, uh, they have a clear understanding of what the priorities are of the town of Northborough. So in your packet is a copy of last year's um, uh, legislative priorities letter, and it's usually a good basis upon which to begin the discussion for the, the current year or the subsequent year rather. Um, and uh, in terms of timing, so we just uh, tonight is just to start the discussion. Uh, based on the discussion, would be a draft of the new legislative priorities letter for you for your approval on March 14th, which would be your next meeting, and then we would send that to our what's left of our delegation, um, uh, and we will uh, and we have invited them all in to come in on uh, at your meeting on March 28th. So in terms of the uh, legislative priorities, you know some of the big uh, big rocks have not changed, and I don't anticipate they would change. Um, first and foremost, uh, one of our top priorities, our top two priorities is uh, Chapter 90. This is the transportation funding that we get from the state for roadway work and sidewalks. Um, every year, the state, and uh, this year is no different, they've approved 200 million statewide. Uh, the MMA and the, um, and the town of Northborough has lobbied hard for 300 million uh, statewide. Uh, so that would be a difference between what we receive locally is about $500,000 uh, in chapter 90 funding. Uh, if it went to 300 million, we would see something more along the lines of about $800,000. So it's very significant. Now I'm pleased to report that uh, not last Friday, but the Friday about a week ago, uh, the governor submitted a $2.4 billion supplemental budget for fiscal 22. And part of that budget was 100 million in supplemental funding for chapter 90 distribution. So that's fantastic news for us. Um, the only downside is that uh, it is a supplemental. It's not a permanent increase. This happened once before uh, back in about 20 uh, fiscal 15. 
where uh, the governor had released another 100,000. That's really where we need to be. And um, as you know, the town of Northboro uh, has a pavement management plan that uh, requires us to spend about $1.1 million a year in order to maintain our roadways where they are uh, in some small amount of improvement. So uh, this 300,000 or this extra 100,000 uh, from, the, from the state is, uh, is huge. This is one of the top priorities of the MMA uh, as well. So in the short term, it's great news. We're getting another 100 million statewide, which means about another 300,000 uh, in local funding, which is um, significant for us. Um, the other thing is uh, the governor uh, also included in that, uh, in that uh, supplemental, uh, another, um, uh, let me see, it's, uh, it's 100 or 150,000 and uh, basically pothole, additional assistance for roadways. So we don't know the rules for that. It's the MMA says it's a grant, but more than likely when they've done it in the past, it's just supplemental, uh, if, if supplemental funding that can be used to fix roads. So we potentially could see, I don't know, windfall might be a little bit of a strong word, but we're gonna see significant additional revenues uh, coming in in this supplemental budget, assuming that the legislature approves it. So in terms of the legislative, our legislative delegation come in, there's two messages on chapter 90. Number one is it needs to be permanently increased to 300,000 statewide. And two, in the interim, we want them to support the governor's supplemental budget, which increases it to 300,000 for just this cycle. So those two things really, uh, we want them to support. So uh, as you know, chapter 90 falls into roadways, sidewalks, walkability, all of those things that we talk about uh, through the Master Plan Implementation Committee. Uh, we will update this with the latest information, uh, but I think one of the uh, points that is uh, always helpful to keep in mind is that the base chapter 90 funding uh, of 200 million statewide um, is, is basically the same since 2012, which means uh, the buying power is 42% less than it was back in 2012. So this is a critical issue for infrastructure across the state. So that's been our, uh, historically has been our top uh, priority. The second top priority that we like to talk to our delegation about is increase in local aid, basically other revenue sharing uh, formulas that uh, allow us to expend funding uh, on, local, on local services. And they've taken uh, a couple of forms. Uh, the first is uh, the special education circuit breaker funding. That has been historically underfunded. It's a top uh, priority of the school. So we usually include that in there from the school department. Uh, regional transportation is, uh, is another chronically underfunded account. Oddly enough, the governor's budget that was submitted uh, in on January 20, uh, I believe my calendar, it was, it was 26th, I believe, January, the governor's budget. He actually reduced the, uh, um, regional transportation reimbursement, which is the exact opposite uh, direction we should be going in. So that is critical to uh, the regional high school's budget. And then the third uh, biggest category after chapter 70 is unrestricted general government aid. And so we are lobbying that that needs to go up the same amount as the anticipated state revenues, which is 2.7%. As a little sidebar, so unrestricted general government aid is essentially lottery funds that were approved by the legislature and the voters for local 
um, revenues. And then when they started to take those local revenues uh, from the lottery uh, during prior recessions, they decided to rename it unrestricted general government aid so people would forget about them taking lottery funds from the local municipalities. So that's our money and it should be coming directly to us. Um, but an unrestricted general government aid is moving up at 2.7%. Uh, as, you, as you know, because I've explained this at your prior meeting, um, roughly 70% uh, of the state aid that we get comes in the form of education, chapter 70 funding, and not unrestricted general government aid. General, unrestricted general government aid is, is somewhere around 25% of those funds. So it's a small amount. So our, our overall state aid is not gonna go up 2.7%. As I shared with you, based on the governor's budget, it's gonna go up 1%, which is what we modeled. Um, a big piece of that is the Student Opportunity Act. And the Student Opportunity Act uh, that was passed a couple of years ago by the legislature is designed to divert significant state revenues, new state revenues to helping those school districts that are most in need. And so um, Northboro is one of the minimum aid communities, which means uh, we simply see $30 per student. And uh, uh, the MMA and the town of North Bros requested that that minimum aid go from $30 uh, per student up to $100 per student. That's been our ask. It was our ask last year. I would suggest that we include it again this year. But the big takeaway when it comes to state aid, so Chapter 70, school aid, special education circuit breaker funding, regional transportation, and unrestricted general government aid. Those are the categories that we want to talk to our representatives about and get their commitment on fully funding particularly the circuit, the special ed education circuit breaker regional transportation, because those were commitments that were made by the legislature, uh, as well as getting a reasonable share of unrestricted general government aid. Um, as far as chapter 70, we just, as I've said to you in the past, we are not gonna see significant uh, increases. There are, I, I read with envy, um, districts that are getting eight, nine, 10% increases in state aid. We're getting one overall, 1% in fiscal 2023 as of right now. Uh, given the fact that we aren't one of these uh, uh, school districts in need, we're just not going to see any significant state aid for the foreseeable future. But the accounts that they did make a commitment for, special education, regional transportation, we want to remind them of those. And historically, the legislature, as the process unfolds, uh, the House and the Senate has been more favorable in terms of those accounts um, versus the governor. One reason is as they get, go through their process, they have access to more current up-to-date information about revenues. So, um, so again, Chapter 90 and just um, local aid in general under these four accounts that we talked about are our two biggest priorities. And just, again, in terms of order of magnitude, our local budget is about 80% taxes and historically has been about 10% in state aid. It's our second biggest uh, revenue source. Unfortunately, we've seen that deteriorate down to about 8% because we're getting 1% increases and our budgets are going up three and a half or 4%. So this is a chronic problem when people say, why, is my, why are my taxes you know, consistently going up? Well, if your number if your number two revenue source is going up 1% and your budgets are going up three and a half percent, it's gonna to have to be made up someplace else. And it generally is gonna come down to local, local taxes. And that's not unique uh, to Northboro. 
Um, after those two top uh, priorities, um, we have included in the past, we, we want to remind them to include funding for environmental and climate related infrastructure needs. As you know, we are a municipal vulnerabilities uh, 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 program participant. It's a state program where they provide um, uh, funding for uh, sustainability projects. So we want to remind them that as they are using all of their additional funding, uh, that they that they include additional funding for uh, programs like the MDT program that we participate in. Um, previously, we'd asked them to continue the flexibility around uh, remote meetings and so forth. Uh, so the governor, uh, so they did pass uh, an extension on that, uh, but uh, there are a couple of House bills, uh, H4367 and uh, uh, Senate Bill uh, 2554, that would make those extensions more permanent. So we probably want to chime in on that and tell them that we think those are good ideas and we'd like their support on those as well. Um, one thing that is pending that um, I would suggest that we include uh, in this upcoming cycle, I've had some pretty extensive discussions with our delegation and particularly uh, Danielle Gregoire, who will no longer be our representative moving forward. Uh, but she will be chairing a, a key infrastructure uh, committee in the, uh, in the House. And so um, there are bills, uh, there are a couple of bills that then uh, proposed that would create a municipal and public safety building authority, similar to the Massachusetts School Building Authority. I always felt like it was uh, ironic that you can get into a state building program for a library or a school, but not for a police station, a fire station, or a municipal building. So given all of this influx of federal funding around infrastructure, uh, there's never been a better time to make a pitch for creating a municipal public safety building authority where we potentially could submit, uh, like you just did for MSBA with a statement of interest, submit things like our fire station building project. Regardless of those uh, bills, which I would, uh, will give you some more information on those at your next meeting, uh, because I would like to include those in our, at least a discussion with our delegation. Um, uh, we have had separate discussions about earmarks and earmark for our, uh, potentially for our fire station building project. It was actually on the front page of, uh, I believe it was the TNG a couple of weeks ago, where Daniel Gregoire was uh, talking about these bills and indicated that there needs to be a way to to get funding for these critical, particularly these public safety buildings. Um, and then we have uh, a standard, I, I don't see it getting any legs this cycle through, but OPEB um, reform at the uh, state level. I don't think there's an appetite uh, and I don't hear any bills being filed, but we always like to remind them that, that that's something we would like them to take up when the time is right. And then just a couple general things that we've included, opposing unfunded mandates, despite the fact that the uh, legislature isn't allowed to create unfunded mandates, they have to pay for them. They find unique ways of dodging that every single cycle by creating regulations that they say either don't, don't cost money or, uh, or um, uh, well, they just, they find a way to dodge that. So as a blanket statement, we wanna remind them that they should not be creating any unfunded mandates it's fine if you wanna make us do something and you're going to uh, give us the, the finances that are necessary, but given the fact that our state aid is going up 1% and has gone up between one, one and a half percent for the last four or five years, it's particularly stinging when they create additional unfunded mandates. Probably the most recent one was, you know, the public, public records uh, law that they changed and 
it created a huge financial burden for us um, that basically essentially went unfunded. Um, we always like to remind them that uh, public procurement or public construction is about 30% more expensive than it is in the private sector. And it's because of our requirement to pay prevailing wages. And so we have uh, historically asked them to exempt the first $100,000 and those small projects from uh, prevailing wage. And I have provided in the past countless examples where we get multiple quotes where you're going to replace a door and it's it's one figure and then you tell them oh no it's a prevailing wage job and the price will go up 30 or 40 percent when people ask why are projects so expensive in the public sector one reason is that we have to pay prevailing wages so uh, exempting smaller projects would make things a whole lot more uh, effective and then the last one historically we've had the composting agricultural composting bill i'm not including it this year uh, we've taken three bites at the apple uh, it has no legs and there's been no interest um, uh, in the legislature of getting this through. I think what it did do, um, there was value in going through that process because one of the operators uh, that was at issue in Northboro uh, decided to get out of the business and close down their composting. The other, we were able to get the attention of the attorney general's office who went after the offender. And I'm talking about SA Farm out on Whitney Street and was able to press the issue to the point where uh, taking them to court where they were able to get a settlement. So the um, negative externalities of that uh, composting operation out there have largely been addressed and, and uh, complaints now are few and far between if, uh, if any. And that operator is actually uh, currently trying to sell his property. So although the legislation was not successful, um, we did get value out of it. It was clear. We brought a great deal of attention to the issue and, uh, and I believe uh, contributed significantly to our ability to address those two longstanding uh, composting issues. So those are, uh, those are the items that are, uh, are being contemplated, uh, of being included. Obviously, the top two, the Chapter 90 and the, and the key state aid, local aid accounts for us are absolutely critical to our operations. And, um, and then the a few other ones that we've uh, included in there. Uh, these are, it's designed to be succinct. You know, we don't comment. There's hundreds and hundreds of pieces of legislation that get filed every year. What we try to do, we have a limited amount of time for them to come in. We got maybe a half an hour or so to, to talk with them. And we want them to, uh, we want to emphasize the things that have the biggest impact on our organization. So. Those are the items uh, that are would be included for your consideration. And if there's anything else that you'd like us to look into or uh, potentially add, that's the purpose of the discussion this evening. So be happy to, uh, to listen to that. Uh, thank you very much, John. I appreciate all the preparation and explanation. Uh, I would add that um, in selecting these priorities, it's certainly to our benefit to choose priorities that are of concern to other municipalities and presumably through those municipalities to their representatives so that there's some critical mass of kind of understanding and action taking place at the state level. Um, certainly there are a number of things that we could be requesting that are specific to Northboro, but the chances of, uh, uh, of obtaining those are probably much smaller if it's not something that has widespread concern across the state and has widespread visibility at the state level. Uh, questions, comments, board members, Scott Rogers. 
Yeah, looking back at um, last year's memo, one one category, and I don't know if there's been movement um, at the state level, but under um, equity and diversity, there was a you know recommendation about adding a category to uh, under HR for community compact. Was was any movement done on that in the last few sessions that they've they've made progress in that? Becca, I'm not sure if you um, Becca actually is. Uh on the MMA's diversity and inclusion committee. So she would know better than anybody. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's not something that uh, the state has taken up yet, but like John said, the Massachusetts Municipal Association's diversity and inclusion committee um, has uh, taken some steps to try to move the needle at the state level. So it didn't happen last year, but there's certainly still interest in it for this upcoming cycle. Is there a similar recommendation than coming out of, of that committee? Yes, yeah. So there's, there's support at the MMA level to add to the community compact program, a diversity specific um, pocket through the HR arm of that program. Okay, so it'd be, I'd, I'd offer that to, to add it or continue to, uh, to add that to our priorities and to uh, you know, help support that those that movement as well support those recommendations. Yeah, so that was as you point out was included. We would anticipate uh, updating that, including that this year. One of the things that we do is we we want to call their attention to specific pieces of legislation. So uh, we want house, you know, we want the bill number, or we want uh, the reference to if it's a, a study or a, a, a white paper of some kind or. Or if the MMA has put out a policy statement, so we want to, we always want to reference those. And so, as you can imagine, that's all still a work in progress. So, uh, on a number of these, we have the the bill numbers for them, uh, and and then uh, we also pair up with, uh, as as uh, Becca indicated, with the MMA. So, if the MMA has a specific bill that they've gotten someone to sponsor, or if they have even just a policy statement, then then we want to we'll make reference to that specific statement and include it in our. Uh, legislative priorities. We 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 found a long time ago it really benefits the town to to put numbers in terms of the impact and to put specific bills that we want them to support or to or to not support. Uh, sometimes there's legislation that get that would be detrimental to municipalities, and we want to make sure that they're aware of those as well that we don't want them to support or make sure that they're educated in terms of the the real impacts on us. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Uh, any other comments, board members? Leslie? Yeah, John, I particularly like the, um, the paragraph or the bullet ongoing flexibility in addressing COVID-19. And if I may, I want to read the last section of it to further emphasize it because I totally agree with it. And I think it's very well stated. While COVID-19 presented obvious challenges with respect to open meeting law requirements, the temporary suspension of those requirements by the governor opened many communities to a new world of possibilities that allows for better access and transparency for residents and businesses to stay involved in local government. We support continuation of the utilization of online meeting platforms to conduct business for local boards and committees. Very nicely stated. And yeah. I think it, it makes the point very, very well. And, and again, just uh, the governor did sign a supplemental bill that allows that flexibility through July. They keep kind of kicking the can, which basically everybody seems to seems to think that 
this is something that's here to stay and they just need to kind of work out. And so when we get the specific bill, uh, that's what we'll cite in the in the letter. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, Krista? Um, so this is my first legislative priorities meeting. So bear with me. Um, so these are things that we're when the when the um, the state reps and senators come, we say these are the things we would really like you to focus on, and we are really supportive of these. And John, I read your some of some of your um, things that you wrote in there and the and the letter, and everything's really well done. Um, and I'm a writer and an editor, and I have to give you a big thumbs up on your writing. Um, Thank you. It's a group effort. Becca has a big hand in it as well. Okay. Well, Becca, you too. I was, I was very impressed. Um, so do, is this a time when you would ever sort of see what the state is considering and then say, oh, we, we would like to say that we're, um, we give that a thumbs up too. say if it was an environmental bill or sustainability bill or that kind of thing. It, would that be appropriate to? Um, but yeah, potentially, yeah. If it's something, uh, what we try to do is, as as uh, the chairman stated, is we really, you, you, I'll go back to before we started this format, because uh, Leslie and, um, and Jason will remember this. Uh, they used to come in, we'd have our delegation come in, and we would have, you know, a nice friendly conversation, FaceTime's always good. Um, and then we'd ask a question or about an item, and then we would spend the limited time we had talking about, you know, leg traps for beavers and, you know, legislation that they filed that they're, that they're passionate about. And we never got to talk about the priorities of Northboro. And so what we do is, you know, we, we ask all departments and boards to submit, uh, you know, pieces of legislation across, you know, across all of the, um, all of the functions that we, uh, that we perform. And we culminate it up, and then we do have to do some quality control. You know, we don't. We generally try to provide our top two or three, mm -hmm. and then a couple of smaller things that are uh, items that are important to us. Like one year, we spend a, a lot of time talking about our composting legislation. So, um, but we also do again to the chairman's point is we want to marry to the extent possible our priorities with you know the Mass Municipal Association because uh, they they we want to make sure that. The legislators are hearing the consistent message from all the towns about how critical special education circuit breaker funding is, how critical you know regional transportation funding is, and every time they walk away from those programs or they underfund them, that it has real implications for the, the operations. So, um, so yeah, so we do we can include anything that we like, um, and uh, but we try not to. Like, like I said, there's hundreds and hundreds of bills, and we just we don't want to just list everything. Uh, we want to focus on the things that will have the most impact on the town of Northboro. And in terms of the environmental, the other thing too, we try to send the message on the on the the, the ten thousand foot view, which is look, you have all of this infrastructure funding that's coming, right? Don't we don't want you to create new programs and and earmark money. What we want you to do is, and what we included here is, fund the municipal vulnerabilities program. You have a program for environmental sustainability and climate resilience. Fund that, you know, and, and so when they're here, I, I would think the message that we'd want is we would like you to put funding in that program because 
we are part of that program. We followed, we did the feasibility analysis. We have a plan. We have priorities. They're, they're town-wide priorities. You know, it would, we want you to fund that. So when you have your money, put it there. When you have the money, put it in chapter nine because, you know, we know we're going to get it. It's an existing program. And if they give the money through existing programs, it generally will come to us faster. What happens is every time the legislature creates a new program, the legislature writes vague language, uh, well-intentioned, and then whatever agency has to actually implement it, they say, we don't know what you mean by this. And then they have to create rules around that new program. All that stuff takes the better part of a year. Time. And so we want to emphasize always, hey, give us the money, put it in existing programs that we're already you know, participating in. So like in terms of environmental and sustainability, put it in the MVP program. We have projects that are queued up that we're looking to get funded. And, uh, and that can happen in very short order if they, if they get the message, put it in that program. And I think that's what we want to try to, to focus on. Okay. Um, that, that's a great answer. And um, yeah, because I, I mean, I know even just from my experience being on this board, everything takes a little longer than people want it to. So that makes sense not to give them more work to do. Um, so, and then I just have one more comment question sort of about the chapter 90 funding. Um, so Cedar Hill Road is a big issue for a lot of people. There are a couple of residents who every time they see me, they mention, I am afraid to drive down Cedar Hill Road. There's so many potholes. Um, so part of Cedar Hill is our, ours, but not very much of it. Most of it is Marlboro. And Danielle is still going to be in charge of Marlboro, and we're already friendly with her. Is, is there any way that we can kind of um, while she's there, try and say, hey, you know, it's really important to the residents of Northboro that Marlboro pave this road. Is that something that can happen? Um, you know, generally, you know, generally, we don't have any ability or authority to tell another town what to do with their tax dollars. Um, right. uh, we have responsibility for our very small limited area on Cedar Hill Road. But the vast majority of Cedar Hill Road, as you pointed out, is in Marlboro. And Marlboro has their own you know, pavement management plan and their own priorities. I don't know where uh, Cedar Hill is on there. We certainly can make a friendly call uh, from at the, at the staff level over there just to see if, if Cedar Hill is, uh, is, is on there, where Cedar Hill might be on, on their list. Um, but generally speaking, you know, it's a, it's a mayoral form of government as well. So you know, the mayor has a little bit more um, influence. And, uh, and um, you know, as you know, we do have some some legal issues that we're dealing with with Marlboro through the yeah. Wesley treatment plant. So uh, and, until those until those legal issues get resolved, um, it's difficult to partner on on much else. We have other projects that we partner with, uh, would like to partner with Marlboro on. And so it's going to it's going to take uh, that litigation to be worked out, I think, before we can maybe get back to better better diplomacy. Uh, some of my old, uh, the older board of members know when we had the the uh, litigation between us and Southboro regarding the high school project, it was very difficult to partner with Southboro because we had that point of contention until that got resolved. That's long. That's been resolved now for five, six years, maybe seven years, seven years. 
Um, and now we're partnering with them on a joint procurement for health insurance, and we're working with them on all sorts of other projects. So unfortunately, it, it, I, don't, I don't know how successful that will be. But in terms of Northborough, you know, Cedar Hill will be part of our, uh, our overall plan, but the, the issues are really in Marlboro. So yeah, I can really tell you what happens when residents from, you know, Westborough call to complain about, you know, a roadway in Northborough. I tell them yeah. to call their board of selectmen. <laughs> I know. I just, it's, it's, it's hard. But I also know that um, Cedar Hill Road is um, heavily trafficked with a lot of trucks and also high school kids from Southborough. So there's so many people who are concerned about it. You would think they would put it high on the list. But anyway. Yeah. And, okay. you know, again, different towns, you know, uh, we're Northborough's in relatively good shape. You know, we have a master plan for the roadways, uh, pavement condition plan. Uh, we measure, you know, the, the, the um, ratings on every road in town every two years and provide a report. Uh, again, so we look at our town holistically. We look at, I can tell you, I can tell you based on the funding that the town uh, is willing to authorize exactly where that pavement index will go in one, two, three, four, five, six years out. And so we are on an uphill trajectory, which is a positive. Um, but the more money you put in, the faster you can move up that uh, up that uh, graph. One of the other things I did want to just mention in terms of roadways is, you know, it all this additional funding is great. Uh, the extra Chapter 90 money, the pothole money, uh, and there's a lot of infrastructure funding that is still kind of floating through. And we're waiting to see where it materializes and what programs it comes through. You know, there's going to be a great deal of competition for uh, for contractors, there's only so many contracts that, that, that do paving. And the asphalt plants, when the demand goes up, the prices are going to go up. So the cost of asphalt is going to go up. So, you know, there's going to be a, an inflationary impact on all, all things, you know, um, pavement. So just something to be aware of. So in addition to, you know, inflationary impacts, there's going to be pressure on the, on the costs um, moving forward. But I'll take the extra money every day of the week. So. Okay, thanks. Uh, you also had Kristen? Okay, uh, Julianne? Yes, so um, I, I think the list is, is excellent and I agree with all of the priorities and I'm, um, I'm grateful that you offered to hear anything else that we might be concerned about. So I am concerned about traffic safety and I think we've heard a lot from the town people in town that they are also and um, I I have not done a lot of research but I am aware of at least one bill it's called an act relative to automated enforcement which would allow municipalities to um, up to a certain number that it would allow towns and cities to put up cameras at troublesome intersections or intersections that the you know that the police or dpw determine would benefit from this um you know we our police are 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 stretched and we don't have an overabundance that can't be everywhere at all times and i just I, you know i'd like to hear more about this and whether or not it's something we would want to support I'm sh I, I don't know if any of you have traveled in other states where they where they're already instituting this your ways might even tell you you're approaching an intersection that 
is monitored by cameras. It's, um, but it's something that Massachusetts, I guess, is considering right now. And from the little I've read, and admittedly it's a little, I believe Governor Baker is in support of it. So I wonder how the rest of you feel about this. Uh, I, I would need a lot more information about the bill to, to, to make a decision uh, about whether this is something that would be added to our list. Um, I can say that uh, having had a college student who uh, attended in Maryland, uh, there were occasions when I was driving Massachusetts speeds in Maryland and was automatic, automatically flagged for a speeding violation, uh, camera-based. Um, uh, I don't know. I, uh, uh, I would need more information about it uh, before considering it to be a priority to make it onto this list, which by definition is a fairly short list in order to focus the greatest attention on the most significant items. Uh, Kristen? Um, well, I wonder if maybe to get more information tonight, if um, Scott from DPW or Chief Lever had any, maybe they know a little bit about it since Scott works with MassDOT all the time. And uh, well, the chief, obviously he's the traffic safety guy, so. Um, Mr. Chairman, I'm not familiar with the legislation. I don't know if it's uh, geared toward um, intersections, uh, signalized intersections, or if it's more geared toward speeding. I haven't looked at it or even heard of it until this moment now, so I wouldn't be able to comment on it. Thank you, Scott. Chief? I've read the statute, the proposed bill. It basically allows for automated enforcement of uh, motor vehicle laws. They can be posted at uh, intersections if you want to use it as a red light uh, camera, or you can put it on a street where it will do uh, radar speed violations. It takes a picture of the operator in the front license plate of the car. It does allow for putting it on state property with permission from MassDOT, but it's at the expense of the community. And it also authorizes the towns to uh, impose the fines and collect the fines. And it doesn't impact things like uh, merit rating, uh, and the things that other folks are most uh, concerned about. Uh, I, I, I did read it in its entirety and it's uh, something I'd be highly interested in. Thank you, Chief. How, how would we work that? Would we circulate the, um, the bill to all of us so that we can, and, and, and you know, there, I don't know, I mean, John or Becca, you work with MMA. Are there other bills that would help with traffic safety that are we should consider also? I'm not aware of any, you know, but like as I said, literally, you know, there's hundreds of, of representatives and uh, and senators, and they all submit bills. And we never know, uh, some of them never get out of, uh, out of the rules committee, some of them never get through conference committee. So generally, we tend to focus on bills that uh, that have made their way through or have traction, uh, but we tend to, you know, again, we tend to focus on um, you know, the, the things that are in the, the, the list already. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about, uh, I don't know anything about this bill. So we can, if you have a, a bill number that's helpful um, or a sponsor of it, and, uh, and we can pull some information together and distribute it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Julia. 
Uh, any other questions, comments, board members? Hearing none. Uh, okay, thank you, John. Uh, so we will be reviewing this once again at our next meeting. With the yeah, so what we'll do is we'll, we're going to update the letter. Uh, as I said, we'll try to get um, bill numbers and uh, delete the things that are no longer current. Uh, and uh, we'll package back up for you. You can have it, you can approve it. Uh, hopefully at your next meeting, uh, it shouldn't be wildly different from what we, we you've seen tonight from, from the prior year. And then uh, we will send it, this is the magic, is sending it to our delegation ahead of time. And when they come in to ask them to speak to these issues. So they, otherwise sometimes you'll get, well, it's the first time hearing of it, or I don't know, I'll have to get back to you. We get it to them ahead of time. They see it. They're well-known issues. And really, you want to just pin them down. Are you going to support you know, special education, transportation, you know, things that, that are absolutely critical to our, to our operations? So. OK, thank you, John. You're welcome. Next item is an update of preliminary fiscal year 2023 budget. So uh, in your packet is a uh, uh, about a nine page memo that gives you an update on where things stand right now with the uh, with the budget um, appropriations financial planning are meeting weekly uh, beginning uh, Wednesday financial planning and Thursdays are appropriation and they'll be uh, meeting weekly uh, moving forward. Um, but uh, we have um, uh, the uh, regional high school has uh, completed uh, uh, their budget. Uh, was approved on February 16th. Uh, uh, the K-8 budget uh, was approved on February 7th, and the um, uh, the Assabet Valley uh, budget was also our assessment was also approved. Um, one of the things that we do every year, and, and, and I don't want to take up too much time at this stage of the meeting, but um, you know there are general goals and objectives that we. Uh, that we talk about in terms of the sustainability of our operations. And, uh, and there's, uh, there's four main ones, uh, four main goals, and there's objectives, our uh, uh, sub goals and objectives uh, below those. But I'm just gonna read the four main goals and not all the details. But the first one is to protect and improve the town's overall financial condition, which broadly defined as our ability to maintain existing service levels, withstand local and regional economic disruptions and meet the natural demands of of growth decline and change. This is what you hear when we talk about financial trend monitoring is being able to maintain our a good service level that people uh, are seeking. Um, the second one is uh, to develop our budget in conformance with the town's comprehensive financial policies. Our financial policies are like the rules of engagement. Uh, you can't play a, uh, any game or, uh, or engage somebody in anything without understanding what the rules are. And so our financial policies sets the table for what we will or won't do with regard to how we conduct ourselves financially. And so it means things like making sure that, uh, you know, we're not using one-time revenues in the operating budget at an unsustainable level, that we're not taking on too much debt, that we're taking care of our unfunded liabilities. And so when we put our budget together, one of the primary goals is that we aren't using any one-time gimmicks. You know, we're not, we're not uh, borrowing are issuing debt to pay for operating expenses. We're not using uh, you know, runtime revenues, free cash and, and stabilization funds to artificially prop up a budget that isn't sustainable in the long run. So making sure that you have you know, well thought out financial policies and then uh, even more importantly, that you follow those as you put the budgets together. 
Uh, the third overall arching goal is to maintain Norcross as an affordable place to live and operate a, uh, and operate a business. And that means uh, we're trying to live within the confines of Proposition 2.5, which is an arbitrary and capricious limit, um, but we try to do that. Um, we want to make sure that we're encouraging uh, good uh, and appropriate economic development. Maintaining a single tax rate is something the board has done uh, in, in furthering its goals there. Um, and then, oddly enough, under this one, uh, one of the goals is advocating for legislative priorities at the state level that improve the efficiency or effectiveness of local services, such as OPEB reform, making sure that revenue sharing models are appropriate uh, from the state. So maintaining the town as affordable. You know, maintaining the current level of service and maintaining the town is affordable, that balance. Um, the fourth is, uh, is the one that I think is really important for people in your role. So policymaking boards and committees tend to have, you know, a, a three-year perspective um, just by nature of how of the appointment cycle or the election cycle. But the fourth one is to make sure that we protect the town's long-run solvency, solvency beyond the immediate budget cycle make sure we have clear policies regarding debt, pension obligations, OPEB, and uh, capital investment. So we want to make sure that in balancing any individual fiscal year's budget, that we are also looking at what the long, the long run implications are for uh, service level serv uh, service levels, um, debt, unfunded uh, uh, liabilities and obligations, and also capital. You know, you you've heard me say multiple times. You know, you can postpone capital uh, in an emergency, which is exactly what we did with COVID. We postponed it for a year and constrained it for a year or two. That's not a long-term solution. So you need to make sure that those long-term uh, needs always get worked into the budget. So those are the four overarching uh, goals uh, when we begin our budget. Now, within each department, there are, are, are specific goals that link to these and also link to our strategic plan our master plan uh, and, our capital and our capital improvement plan. So, so just uh, in terms of, so those kind of the set the table in terms of the, the context and the goals, we wanna make sure that what we're providing is a, is a good budget that maintains services, is affordable, uh, doesn't include one-time gimmicks and takes long range perspective and issues into consideration. So in terms of the update, uh, State aid, as I mentioned, uh, the governor released his budget on January 26th. We then got the detailed uh, cherry sheets and our budget model is carrying 1%. I mentioned to you on reserved uh, general government aid is going up at least 2.7%. But why is, but what is happening to our state aid? Our state aid and the governor's budget is going up 1.03%. So we're 0.03% off in our model, if you want to look at it that way. Um, we may get a little bit more. Um, the governor submits his budget to the House. The House does their budget process, then the Senate does theirs, then they get together in a conference committee. We generally don't know what our final state aid numbers are, are going to be until well after town meeting. But they're not going to move for all the reasons we've discussed in the financial trend monitoring meeting and previous board meetings. They're not going to move much off that 1%. We might see another half a percent which you know, you're talking about another 30 or $40,000 on a, on a, a $5.6 million you know, local aid account. It's not gonna move the needle for anybody. Uh, and, uh, and, and by the way, as I always mention, if any state aid that we get above what we budget after we set town meeting, will just be applied and legally must be applied to just reduce the tax impact. 
So there's no downside uh, to that, to being conservative in those numbers. But at this stage, um, at this stage, you know, we're looking at one percent. And I did mention uh, under the legislative uh, priorities letter, uh, we, the governor filed a $2.4 billion supplemental, and this is under fiscal 2023, so the current fiscal year. And so uh, that additional chapter 90 money and the pothole money will be coming through. There's also 150, there's 100 million in the winter repair program for the pothole uh, program. And then there's 150 million for climate change grants, including the municipal vulnerabilities preparedness program. So when we meet with our legislative delegation, the governor has a bill that's out there. And so we want to talk to our delegation that we would like you to support that, that bill because that would be a direct uh, program that we could participate in. Uh, new growth, again, hasn't changed. We're still looking at uh, 40 million. Uh, and we talked about the trends in new growth uh, pretty, uh, in pretty um, detailed uh, and had detailed discussions when we set the tax rate back in November. Local receipts, again, are level funded. Um, we're seeing hotel meals and motor vehicle excise coming back, uh, but we're still not back to pre-pandemic levels. So for now, uh, we're holding those uh, level. That assumption is the same as the one that we talked about back in December. That hasn't changed. Um, in terms of outstanding budget items, there are three things I want to just mention to you this evening. Um, so the first is that we do have uh, we are in contract negotiations with all five non-school unions. So we're in active negotiations. Should one or more of those uh, negotiations settle, then that would require a modification in the uh, budget um, if it happens in enough time prior to town meeting. The other big thing on, uh, on the personnel front is that as you know, we are wrapping up a, class a classification compensation study. So all the job descriptions are being updated. A market analysis is being done to make sure that our level of compensation is competitive relative to our comparable communities. And so that will have, in all likelihood, an additional, uh, an additional uh, financial impact. We're not anticipating that we're out of, really out of line, but when you redo the job ranges, People who might be at the maximum now might have available to them a year or two of merit increase. Uh, some positions, few, if any, will be reclassified. And so there, there will be, as anytime you do a class comp study, and you do them about every eight to 10 years, but every time you do one, uh, there are, there's going to be financial implications. So right now, since the contracts aren't settled and the class comp study isn't completed, uh, we are going to be carrying in a central personnel board account uh, funding sufficient to uh, take care of those things. So, so that is still ongoing. Second big thing uh, to report, and this is a real positive thing for us, is uh, we, are, um, uh, we, we are going to a new health insurance carrier. As you know, we put it out to bid. Fallon exited the, um, the market. Um, and so they are only going to be interested in doing Medi Medicare uh, work. So they're no longer in the, in the public sector. So we went out to bid. We had multiple meetings with our insurance advisory committee, which is all the bargaining units, including the uh, unions in the school, uh, K-8 uh, uh, school department. Multiple meetings uh, going over the results. Uh, uh, we're very happy. We're going to be moving to Harvard Pilgrim. And the Insurance Advisory Committee was unanimous in their support for this move. 
And based on the bids that we got and working with all of the uh, bargaining units, we believe that we're going to be able to get the health insurance budget, bring the health insurance budget in at no more than 3%, which is our target is to stay at 3% or less. That's a sustainable. When health insurance goes to 10%, it's, it disrupts all of our budgets. It eats up all new revenues uh, for the general government side. So um, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to report that process is complete. We did form an informal joint procurement association with the high school and Southboro. So Southboro did join in. And based on us forming that group and bidding together, we received some economies of scale and we got a very, very favorable renewal. And the uh, benefit level has not changed. The contribution rate by the employees has not changed. So they're happy. We got a, a very reputable provider. And again, we're talking about being able to work with our neighbors. Go back five, six years ago, Southboro, we've been trying to work with them for years and we were never able to. Uh, but the relationship is, is uh, in a different place right now. And so we're able to do this joint procurement that benefited the region, Southboro and Northboro and all of the employees. So that's very positive. The last thing uh, development that came through, uh, not so positive, uh, on February 22nd, we received notification from the Norfolk County Agricultural High School that a Northboro student applied for admission there uh, for the upcoming fiscal year. This is one of those weird things um, that is counterintuitive, uh, doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but um, the under, under, um, under Mass General Law, Chapter 74, uh, 603 CMR 4, this is known as Chapter 74, this, if, if we don't offer a program at the high school or at our Volk school, which is ASABIT, a student has the ability to go to a school that offers the program that they want. And the town has to pay whatever that bill is. Unfortunately, uh, Norfolk County Agricultural, uh, their tuition is about $25,000 per student. And then we also have to pay for transportation. So one student can cost $38,000. So uh, we have one student going there. So the transportation costs are already, uh, already being paid for. And we're trying to work with neighboring communities to see if they have any additional students. But we now have a second student that has applied and assuming that they will be accepted, um, we're looking at another $25,000 uh, bill for that. Unfortunately, that comes out of the general government side of the budget. It does not come out of the uh, K-8 to school budget or the high school budget. So given the fact that this came out of the blue on February 22nd, um, what I'm going to propose and do is I'm going to add that to the budget, I'm not going to ask the police and fire and DPW to cut you know, another $30,000 out of their budget to fund one student going to Norfolk Agricultural. So that cost is going to get added to you know, our, our base budget. Uh, that's my plan anyway. Uh, so we, I don't have the number. I know what the tuition is. That's been voted by their uh, student, uh, by their school committee. What I don't have from the school department is what the transportation costs are, but whatever they are, we have to pay them. So uh, there's been folks over, over the years, uh, every so often a community gets hit hard under this uh, statute. And uh, there's been attempts to petition the legislature to, to modify that, making the argument that, you know, $38,000 for one student to go to school arguably isn't the most effective and efficient use of, um, of resources, but that's the law. 
we're going to comply and it's going to come out of the general government side of the budget. So, and it's at the 11th hour. So it is what it is. Um, so pulling all this together, uh, where things stand at the moment, the key budget increases that most people are focused on when we go to town meeting, uh, the Northboro K-8 schools, uh, their budget, their final budget that's been voted is going up about 3.5%, just, just shy of 3.5%. The general government, this is the non-school budgets, uh, are, uh, are uh, coming in at about 3.5%, uh, again, uh, roughly on par with the, with the schools. That's what we need. Uh, the original budget model was looking at a 3.39% increase, so somewhere between a three, three and a half. That's what we need to maintain services. So, so right now we're looking at a three and a half percent. Assabet Valley, this is our, our regional vo vocational school. Uh, we have um, uh, nine more students going at about 15 or $16,000 each. So their assessment is going up uh, almost $190,000. It is what it is. It's based on the number of students that go. Uh, now, the flip side of that equation, which is we have more students going to ASIVIT, which means we are taking a larger share of the operating budget because we have more students. At the high school for the first time in, in three or four years, we've been on the side of the enrollment shift where there's been less kids from Southboro going to the high school and more from Northboro. And that has meant that even though the high school operating budget only goes up three or three and a half percent, the overall budget, our assessment, Northboro's share, has gone up, you know, eight or nine percent in some years. That demographic uh, projection is shifting, and now North, uh, Southboro has more kids, and Northboro is trending down. And so uh, this year, um, we are only looking at a 0.17 percent increase in our assessment for the high school. So uh, between the debt and the operating budget, we're only looking at about a $26,000 increase. And just to put that in perspective, when you're looking at our eight or 9% increase, it's a $600,000, $650,000 increase. That's a big difference. Um, uh, Southboro is looking at uh, uh, about a 10% increase in their assessment. So they're going to feel it this year. We felt it for several years. We've been saying fiscal 2023, that trend should reverse. And I'm happy to say it has. Now, what does this mean? Overall, what this means is that the tax impact that we forecast in the financial trend monitoring that assumed a three and a half percent increase in the assessment will be less. Um, we'll work through those numbers. And ultimately when the budgets are completed as we head into town meeting, we'll revise that uh, tax impact but it could be, you know, fifty dollars less than the six fifty that we had talked about, or the six hundred sixty thousand dollar increase that we had talked about. Uh, so that's positive news. Uh, uh, other than that, uh, yes, Mr. Chairman. Uh, just to go back to those first two bullets, um, uh, because um, I always seem to recall the the K to eight the health insurance component for the K to eight schools is carried on the municipal side of the budget. Is that right? Correct. And so the second bullet here is where that, that amount's being carried. Yeah. Our two biggest budget busters yeah. are uh, health insurance and retirement uh, because we're part of the Worcester Re regional retirement system. And so it is on a fully funding. Uh, it's on a plan to be fully funded uh, and because of that, 
part of our assessment is to deal with the unfunded liabilities, like part of our operating budget is to deal with the unfunded OPEB liability. So those assessments are going up about 10, 11% every year. And about 40% of those costs are for the K-8 employees, not the teachers. The teachers are part of the state retirement system. Uh, but all the general administration, the custodians, everybody else, uh, the town, on the town side of the budget, we pay for those expenses. So we, you know, those are, and those are the two expenses that are, are constantly putting pressure on our budget uh, every year. Again, that's just the way the budgets are structured. So overall, the, the budgets are uh, developing and coming forward uh, in pretty close uh, um, uh, proximity to what we had presented in the financial trend monitoring back in December. State aid, the revenues are coming in almost exactly where we had anticipated, and the key budgets are increasing pretty much what we need in order to maintain services. So, um, so absent, you know, some shock happening uh, uh, or the legislature doing something crazy with state aid. Uh, the big pieces are here. We'll wrap up the class comp study, hopefully uh, make some progress in the negotiations. And those are the last uh, pieces that will we'll drop into uh, place. I did include in your packet a detailed uh, article from the MMA regarding the governor's uh, $2.4 billion uh, spending supplemental in fiscal 22. Again, that's good news for us. That'll help us. but that won't have any impact on fiscal uh, 2023 uh, operating budget. Uh, you're, um, uh, on March 28th, uh, you'll have the charter required joint hearing with the Appropriations Committee on the budget. Uh, so between now and then, Appropriations and Financial Planning will be uh, moving through making their recommendations. And, uh, but again, I'm not anticipating, there's nothing, there's nothing um, unsuspected, there's no surprises here. This is exactly what we laid out for you uh, back in December with some minor tweaks, a little bit of good news in some places, a little bit of not so good news in others, but on the whole, it's unfolding exactly as we had anticipated. The good news is the tax impact in all likelihood will be less because of that high school assessment. So that's a good, that's a positive, uh, positive news. So I'm happy to answer any questions anybody may have, but uh, that's just a, a preliminary update for you on where things stand. Thank you very much, John. I uh, appreciate all the work that uh, has gone into this and continues to go into it. It's going to be a very busy month of March by the time yes, we see you on the 28th to, to see the final uh, final proposal. Uh, board members, any uh, questions at this point? Julianne? Yeah, th thank you. Um, it's always a lot of work and you know, it's greatly appreciated and the explanations are very clear. I, I do want to go back to um, a chart that you gave us at the January 24th meeting where you, you indicated that we would have two and a quarter million from ARPA and from free cash a little over $2 million. Um, and then when you did the expenditures, there's nothing that indicates what's coming out of ARPA money and what's coming out of free cash. Is that something, is that a rule now that we, you're, you're never going, the town will never have to go back to the federal government and say, this is how we spent the ARPA money specifically or? No, no, that's what's being developed right now with the financial planning uh, committee. So, so some of the more, uh, the, the projects that were really included solidly in the capital improvement plan will likely go to town meeting and be funded with free cash. 
others like the Be Well Northboro Initiative, uh, the Affordable Housing Corps request, uh, uh, some of the, you know, the downtown master plan study, some of the things that weren't uh, necessarily included in the uh, capital improvement program, but we've identified as priorities, uh, particularly around uh, COVID. Uh, the intention is that those will be uh, coming out of ARPA. And that detailed separation of where, where these projects will go, whether or not they go to town meeting or they're included uh, or they're, they're funded out of ARPA is what's, what will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. That's what the financial planning, one of the things the financial planning committee will be, will be looking at. So is ARPA money available to us right now or do, does ARPA it have money, to Yes, ARPA money is available. Yes. So we have if you received, wanted we to- We have received it. If you wanted to do um, Be Well Northboro tomorrow, we could do it. Um, yes, what you want is a, and, and this is, and that's one of the reasons, one of the other reasons why we, some of these projects should come forward and be funded with ARPA is uh, the other one is the master plan, the downtown master plan would be that the funding would be released sooner and those projects can get moving sooner. Right. So that's uh, that's the other thing that we're looking at is what are the projects that that should be released and moving sooner? Uh, what projects also are really COVID related as opposed to uh, you know uh, equipment replacement that's been in the for instance been in the capital plan for the last you know six years. So that's what we're teasing out. The purpose, and I know this is the chart you're referring to. The right. purpose of that was to say what do we have for available resources. And what are all the projects that we want to do? And do they all fit? And the, the great news is, yes, they all fit. Now we just need to tease out which ones. That's why when in a moment we're going to talk about the, the uh, draft town meeting warrant, right? There's a lot of CIP placeholders, but they're blank for the moment. So we're going to be filling those in over the next couple of weeks and which ones will go to town meeting versus which will be released uh, under the ARPA funding. Okay. But, but to start, though, you want to have a you want to have an understanding of what are all what are all the needs, and what do you have for resources, and then yes, the next piece is to decide what's going to be funded with ARPA and what will be funded with um, with uh, free cash. Or there are other projects that you know might be funded with debt service, but they're not included in that list. Does that make sense? Okay. So I I actually have um, a question about the Be Well Northboro initiative, and and it is yep. you know I I did request, but um, it was explained that this could not happen, that there be some re resident at large um, members of that task force or that and or that the meetings would be open to the public. And so now now we will, you know, you might even already be getting requests for how to spend the money. And if you get $200,000 worth of requests, but only have $100,000, how will the public follow the decision, the decision-making process of who gets funded? Yeah, that's a good question. And again, this is really no different than if I, if we had taken that money and placed it into the senior center's operating budget, the library's operating budget, the health department's operating budget, or uh, or or put it into a budget for the cultural council um, or the community affairs. And so, as I said at the at the last meeting, is. The idea is not to create another committee. The idea is to move this money quickly and to get projects moving and initiatives going uh, in, a, in a fast and efficient manner. And we want to work through the existing boards and committees. So you have 
uh, library trustees, the Friends of the Library, the cult cultural, uh, the uh, Council on Aging, the Friends of the Senior Center, Community Affairs, the Cultural Council, uh, the Board of Health. So we have all these boards and committees already. And the idea is that working with and through them will we'll, uh, fund uh, these projects and these programs. And, um, and again, it's no different than if the money were in the senior center budget for programming as it is, or in the library budget for programming. Uh, this is just a way to, to provide uh, a quick appropriation uh, without, um, um, and to be able to move the projects uh, out and move quickly through the existing boards and committees. So that, that was the intent, not to create a committee to oversee committees. But you well, have the yeah, and I, and I understand that, but but the but the part two of my question was how how will the public understand what gets funded and what doesn't get funded? Well, uh, also as you know from the presentation that you had at your last meeting, is there is a, a public surveys and input about mm -hmm. if it's specific because we're trying to really the goal is to get the maximum amount of input from from uh, the residents about what types of programs they would like to see in the different areas. And so, uh, so the idea is that the, the, the group will take all that input uh, and take a considerable amount and heavier, heavier uh, weighted input from the existing boards and committees uh, that would be like sponsoring programs in their buildings or on town property uh, and then bring it back. And then there'll be a creation of, as we said, a community calendar where we're uh, marketing out to the community all the programs that are coming up for the upcoming quarter. And it, I envision it being you know, an ongoing discussion and exchange of information uh, to, to do this, essentially these programming on at least a quarterly basis, but to try to get it planned out for as much of the year as we can. And uh, it, you know, you're probably looking at you know, smaller grants, you know, things in the you know, $5,000 range. So we'll see what can we do you know, for, for that type of programming. Um, and we always have the ability uh, if, if, we, if we, I'm trying, again, we, for in terms of the budget, we're trying to pick something that's reasonable uh, in terms of trying to, what can, we, what can we do out in the community in modeling it after some of the other grant type programs that are out there, like the cultural council, the types of programs that they do. And so the idea is that, you know, we'll get the input, uh, we'll work with all these boards and committees, uh, and, then, uh, and then push this stuff out through, through the marketing. And again, we're interested in hearing what people's ideas are, uh, but we're trying to move. We want to move quickly. And I want to. I want to move through again, and work through the existing boards and committees. That's the. That's the goal here. I would ask that you just trust us. This is what we do. I trust you. I trust you. But I'm. I'm very obviously very excited about the program, and yeah. I and I and I hope that you get a whole bunch of ideas. And I'm just curious about how um, how you will prioritize. Yeah, depending on, yeah, I mean, we may. I don't. I don't know. I mean, if it gets that complicated, you know, we might put it out there for people to to provide input on which programs they'd like us like to see out of the ideas that we get. The goal is we want to do what the community wants, you know, um, and um, and so we want to and we want to do it. We want to move it quickly. Mm -hmm. you know, that that's one of the keys here. So, and it's no as I said, it's no different than you know we we have within the operating budgets, in recreation, senior center, the library the, for programs. You know, this is something we do. But instead of you know trying to put it all in the individual departments, we want to 
create this coordinated umbrella um, initiative. I think it's going to work out just great. And, you know, as I said, when we talked to the uh, cultural council the other night, you know, they've got ideas for programs. And so we released the funding through ARPA. We could start funding some of those um, and get and get things happening. And the big, I think the big push is going to be, you know, as you, the, the beginning of the summer months, uh, uh, just a perfect example, one of the things the rec department would like to do is the rec department would like to do an end of the school year party at 135 for all the kids, like a fair, right? Wouldn't that be great? And, uh, and then all the boards and committees can come and they can do, that's the type of thing that we're looking to do, uh, get people together, especially outside, so. Okay, and one more question. So, so Wednesday, financial planning committee meets for the first time, correct? Yes, yep. Um, and they're meeting, will that be recorded? Because it looks uh, like they're meeting in, in town hall. Yes, it's gonna be a meeting in person. So uh, one of the things that's happening is, you all know Jim, uh, the Julio, Jim is yeah. the guy who does, yeah. So uh, I just appointed Jim as the assistant uh, IT MIS director. Jim's a great guy. He's wrapping up his master's degree in GIS. Um, uh, so he's got a few more classes to, to go through. Jim has been hosting most of our meetings or a lot of our nighttime meetings. Well, all of his graduate uh, classes are now going to the nighttime. So he's no longer going to be able to host. And then we just hired him as a full-time employee during the day. So we're, at the moment, we're a little bit jammed up about having coverage for some of these um, for for some of these nighttime meetings, we're going to go through. We're we're looking at hiring as part of our ultimate goal here a permanent part-time position uh, under cable access to host the meetings as part of the access uh, uh, services, which is where this belongs. Mm -hmm. uh, hiring Jim on the side using uh, CARES Act money was just a a stopgap measure. So, uh, but with his departure uh, from hosting, it's going to be, uh, we got a little bit of a gap here where it's going to be difficult to get uh, coverage. Meeting is open to the public. It will be at town hall. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not uh, access is going to uh, be covering it, but I can check into that. I think, I, I think people really appreciate that. And if it can be, that would be great. Yeah, the goal, the goal moving forward is that the uh, uh, financial planning and appropriations would be would be part of the would be to, part of the communities, uh, the programs. I'm sorry, the boards and committees that would be broadcast, either recorded or go out by Zoom. So okay, all right, thank all right. you. You're welcome. Thank you, Julian. Uh, any other questions, comments about the preliminary budget proposal? Hearing none, thank you very much, John. And we move to the next item, which is review of preliminary town meeting warrant summary. John. Okay, so these are just the uh, a summary. These are just a listing of articles. Uh, there's, it's, it's basically what was submitted or requested from various boards and committees. Some, uh, some of these may come off as they get a little additional review and we may have a couple, uh, couple sneak on between now and your meeting on the 14th. But this is a pretty good list of what we anticipate going to town meeting. Uh, so if you just look, articles one through 10 are the standard uh, budgetary um, articles for the K-8 schools, Algonquin, the general government budget. Uh, those are standard. 
Uh, we've got placeholders, as I said a moment ago, uh, I've got 11 articles from uh, article uh, 11 to 21. Again, the numbers don't matter because these numbers are gonna shift around. So don't, don't fixate on what number article any of these are because those are likely going to change. Um, but that's our, those are the CIP. Those are gonna be the capital projects that are part of the capital budget for the FY23 budget. Uh, so those will be coming forward. And then you have uh, the consolidated personnel bylaw. As I mentioned, we're working on the class comp study. So uh, all of the, the classification and the compensation plan is going to be new because the consultant is uh, wrapping that up. Um, and then you move into uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Community preservation. Sorry, on the slow counting. Uh, the community preservation articles, uh, and these are um, uh, the Brigham Street burial ground beautification, signage at the Kaiser Cemetery, uh, shutter, shutter restoration at the Historical Society, uh, fencing at Acevit Park, the design and project management for a potentially new uh, dog park. Uh, again, that was in the Master Plan Implementation Committee, so the uh, CPC has agreed to uh, essentially fund a feasibility design study. Um, <clears throat> there's a design uh, for a ADA accessible trail around the senior center. Remember, we previously uh, submitted that for a grant that was declined. Uh, so the CPC feels like it has, uh, it's got some value. And we think if we uh, fund the design to it, that we might be able to, with all the grant programs coming, get some better luck in uh, getting that project funded. Uh, there's a preliminary design uh, funding for pedestrian ac access to the aqueduct bridge on Hudson Street. And then the housing authorities creation of eight senior rental units. Uh, this is a combination of housing authority funding, CPC, a state grant, and likely $100,000 in ARPA funding. Uh, and then there's a uh, debt service article for White Cliffs and the CPC's administrative account. So those are the, all the CPC articles. And again, all of those are subject to uh, uh, the CPC's process. So they've held hearings and public input and discussed all those projects. But those are the articles right now that we're anticipating coming forward from the Community Preservation uh, Committee. After that, we've got uh, several zoning articles that are still in development from the planning board. A lot of these articles are going back and forth right now with the uh, with town council. And so there's a, a zoning um, article regarding uh, uh, of breweries in town, encouraging or allowing breweries in certain uh, uh, zoning areas, uh, elimination of the two family dwelling exception from the site plan, changes to the sign bylaws. Uh, there's an article on uh, zoning enforcement. Uh, there's an article rezoning um, 37 South Street, uh, use variance. And then um, there's an article for a temporary moratorium on distribution and transportation uses. So um, that one, um, I'm sure will we'll garner some significant discussion. And then uh, we have uh, floodplain revisions that need to be made to the uh, floodplain maps. Uh, the town meeting has to approve those. Those are coming forward from the town plant, the town engineer. And then uh, last but not least, we have a citizen's petition that we received to change permanently town meeting from the fourth Monday uh, in April to the fourth Saturday. So as you know, um, town meeting uh, uh, is, is held on the fourth Monday. 
We have made some changes uh, for COVID purposes to meet outside, and the meetings have been held the last two years on a Saturday in the football field at the Algonquin Regional High School. So a petitioner has filed an article to make that uh, permanent, not necessarily the outside piece, but the Saturday uh, piece. So one of the things that um, I'm going to suggest that we do, uh, because we are going to need before we um, post a warrant, is to decide whether or not we are going to have town meeting indoors in the auditorium on the fourth Monday of the month, or if we are going to hold town meeting one more time outside in the football field on uh, Saturday. So uh, my intent is to invite the uh, moderator into your next meeting and you can have some discussion regarding that. We're sort of in a weird spot right now. You know, you always like when things are either really bad, which means we're gonna be outside, or they're really good, which means we're gonna be inside, no question about it. We're in that transition, you know, as was reported at the beginning of the meeting, there is no mask requirement to be in the high school anymore. The mask requirement in the community has been lifted. The mask requirement to enter municipal buildings in North Grove has been lifted as well. Um, so uh, the board is gonna to have to decide whether or not you wanna have town meeting inside on the normal night or if you want to have it outside in the football field on a Saturday. So you can give that some thought, um, but uh, you know, the way things are moving right now, uh, all the mass bands, the bands are up. Um, you know, if you wanted to do it inside, I think most communities are moving back to having their town meetings back inside again, but I don't want to be presumptuous. So uh, that'll be something for discussion at your next meeting. So as of right now, those are the, uh, those are the uh, preliminary draft of the articles that were submitted. Uh, between now and your next meeting, we'll be uh, uh, going through and um, uh, adding some uh, language to things that are missing and making modifications. And your next meeting on the 14th, you will vote to close the warrant. And then between your meeting on the 14th and your meeting on the 28th, town council will review the final warrant, make any additional edits, and on March and on March 28th, you will vote to post the warrant. So obviously, we're going to need to know the date and the time and the location. So, so that's where we are. Uh, all in all, I'm anticipating about, uh, you know, 43 articles, which is a you know is a pretty reasonable. We've had town meetings where we've had up to, you know, 65 uh, articles, and oftentimes those you know will go two nights. the The zoning articles are the ones likely to generate the most discussion and you never know what people are going to want to talk about. So um, articles that you think are going to be quick and easy sometimes go along. Uh, but generally, I would anticipate that we're going to move forward into town meeting with uh, hopefully unanimous support from all the boards and committees for the operating budgets and the capital plans like we've been able to do in years past. And that 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 helps to smooth things along. I will work with the moderator about on keeping uh, and having a discussion about uh, maintaining the consent agenda. So the housekeeping articles that appear every year, like reauthorizing the uh, the revolving fund uh, limits, uh, authorizing the treasurer to do a compensating balance agreement, those types of things that come up every year. Um, you know, we I don't know how many, don't might only be a couple, but it's worth doing if it helps to streamline town meeting. I think it was very well received and people like that the town meeting is in totality taking less time because we're, we're streamlining it uh, legally as best that we can. So, so that's what we have. You'll get more detail at your meeting on the 14th uh, and um, at which time you will vote to close the warrant. 
Thank you very Thank much, you. John. You're welcome. Uh, board members, uh, any questions or comments to this point? Very good. Seeing none. Thank you. And next item is the execution of cemetery deed 1141. Do I have a motion? Uh, Mr. Chair, I move the board vote to execute cemetery deed 1141. Second. Moved by Kristen Wickstead, seconded by Scott Rogers. This is a roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julianne Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rattan. Aye. And I, Jason Perot, vote aye. Carries unanimously. Uh, any other business come before the board? Nothing this evening. Uh, this do evening. I have a motion to adjourn? Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I move we adjourn. Second. Moved by Scott Rogers, seconded by Julianne Hirsch. Roll call vote. Kristen Wickstead. Aye. Julianne Hirsch. Aye. Scott Rogers. Aye. Leslie Rutan. Aye. And I, Jason Pearl, vote aye. We are adjourned. Thank you all this evening uh, for your participation and information, and uh, look forward to seeing you at the next meeting. Good night. Thank you. Take Good care. Night, Take care.